Welcome to What's With These Homies Talking About Weezer. I'm your host, Matt Apodaca, and today we're taking a break from Weezer's discography to, to discuss the first entry in Rivers Cuomo's solo recordings, Alone, the home recordings of Rivers Cuomo. Released on December 18, 2007, Rivers' solo compilation of songs spanning from 1992 to 2007 serve as a peek behind the curtain at Rivers' creative process. To discuss the album, it's just me. I'm all by myself, you guys. No guests today, so uh, if you tune in for the guests, I'm... I'm very sorry. Uh, and if you tune in for me, hey, you're welcome. Uh, so, I mean, usually I ask people before we get into these things, uh, like before we get into the album, where they're at with Weezer. Uh, so I'll say right now, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm riding a Weezer wave, baby. Uh, where This is after week one of uh, Coachella. So I saw their Coachella set on my TV in my room uh, from the live stream. And they had, they had so much fun. They brought out the guys from Tears for Fears, they brought out Chili from TLC, and you know, so yeah, of course they did some covers, but they uh, they played and they played they played some hits. They played uh, did they play El Scorcho? They played El Scorcho. Uh, they from you know uh, from Pinkerton. They had to announce this is from our 1996 album Pinkerton because uh, I feel like at this point, if you're a sort of mainstream Weezer fan, maybe you haven't gone back that far. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you weren't on board the whole time, and you're 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 just discovering them now. You didn't go all the way back to 1996. Uh, another recent Weezer experience I had: I went to Magpie's Soft Serve in Los Angeles and got myself the their uh, their branded ice cream. Uh, Weezer's what is it called? Ice cream in the sun, and it was a um, it was a a, a black a black dyed. Um, mocha ice cream and it was vegan it had it was made with um oat milk and it was really good uh i really really liked it that was very tasty and uh you know what though it it did dye my mouth black so i had a, a dark purple tongue for a good majority you know of the day obviously and you know i went home i didn't go get to go home right after i had the ice cream so i showed up somewhere else with a black tongue and you know what this is probably too much information Green poops two days in a row because of this black dye. Um, so, if uh, just hey, uh, eat or beware if you're eating something that's been dyed black uh, in that way. But otherwise, very tasty treat, a nice cold treat. You know, on a uh, we're getting close to summer, so get 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 that if you're. Well, I think by the time this comes out, it will be gone. Um, no, it's actually it's at it's at Magpies in LA until I think the 23rd of April. So. After, as this as this is out, you'll have a few days to go get it if you if you're if you're an ice cream person. I I myself identify as a as a cone freak. I did get it in a cup, uh, but I do I love ice cream and I and I love soft serve. So uh, the whole experience, give it an A plus. Uh, and you know, then I usually ask people if they if they've seen the band live before. Uh, obviously, I've seen them many times, uh, but this since we're covering. Uh, a Rivers solo album. Uh, I, I'll say that I have seen Rivers do a solo acoustic set just once, and it was at the high the the hi hat in Highland Park, and it was awesome. It was so cool. It was such like a it was like a last minute thing. It kind of just got announced, and then you know I, I got tickets and then went. I think like the next day for it, and uh, you know it it was crazy because it was at five thirty in the in the afternoon, which is early uh, for a concert, but you know, uh, and it was it was packed with uh, Weezer fans, and it was such a it was such a unique experience because he did, you know, he was doing a bunch of covers. He did like he did a lot of songs. I mean, I'm looking at the set list right now, and it's 27 songs. That's a long that's a long set list, and they're all yeah acoustic songs, and they're you know some of your old favorites and some covers. He did he opened with uh, Losing My Religion. By an R by REM, and then did today by Smashing Pumpkins. Then he went into Island in the Sun, Across the Sea. If you're wondering if I want you to, I want you to. Uh, El Scorcho, California Kids, Feels Like Summer. This was you know right around uh, Pacific Daydream uh, dropping. Uh, then we have uh, Beverly Hills, The Good Life in the Garage. No other one. He did uh, Magic by Bob, the the Flat Earther. Uh, and then he, uh, he did Pork and Beans, uh, the AJR song Sober Up, uh, Undone, Hashpipe, LA Girls, No One Else, Falling For You, Pink Triangle, Why Bother, Perfect Situation. Then he did uh, Champagne Supernova by Oasis, Saying Ain't So, 
and then Buddy Holly, and then he ended with an encore of Where Is My Mind by the Pixies. Uh, so, so, I mean, it was incredible. It was so cool. I will say one of the things, I think I've talked about that on the show before, um, was that the new stuff wasn't getting any love, and it was a, such a small, this is a small space. This is a very small room, very intimate. Uh, so it felt a little uncomfortable when he was doing the new stuff and the fans weren't there for it. So it I think you got to read the, uh, you know, He's doing that. He's doing this stuff for us. You got to show up. You got to meet him halfway. You got to show up for your boy, you know? So uh, I think I'd like, I mean, I'd love to see that again. Uh, I love when he kind of does these sort of like small little rooms because I think he, I mean, I think he's just a good musician. So it's fun to watch him, fun to watch him work. Uh, but before, before we get into discussing the album, I had some, I had some listener questions that I wanted to get to. I've been saying that. Uh, you know that I'd, I'd read some of these emails on the air, emails and tweets. So I got some, I got an email here from uh, from Jacob Block, and he says, "Hey Matt, I had two questions. What non Weezer music have you, have you been into lately? I know you've mentioned the new Pup album, but I'd love to hear what else you've been what what else has been in your rotation. And two, uh, feel free to not answer this one since it's niche as hell, but I I feel like it's at the intersection of things you're into slash know about." I've been convinced for years that when Joyce Manor's vocalist sings the lyric, so try to be cool in the song Famous Friend, he sings, exa- he sings it exactly like Rivers, but no one seems to agree, or maybe they just don't care. Am I, crazy, uh, am I crazy for hearing that beyond putting this much thought into it, which, if not crazy, is definitely pointless? Uh, well, Jacob, I did a little research. I, I, you know, uh, I like uh, Joyce Manor quite a bit. I don't, you know, I don't follow them as closely as Weezer, but I do like their music. Um, and the song that you picked here, I, you know, the song that you're, uh, sort of identified as sort of, uh, having a Rivers vocal sound alike quality does sound like it could be a Weezer song. Um, it's obviously the, the vocalist is, um, I mean, he sings very differently than Rivers, but, uh, I queued it up right here to see if we can identify, uh, the lyric in question. The, the lyric in question, uh, where he sounds like Rivers supposedly is when he sings, so try to be cool. So let's play a little clip of Famous Friend by Joyce Manor. So that was that right there. And, you know, I, I, I could agree with you. I could agree with you, Jacob. I, I do sort of hear it a little bit. Uh, I, I think he sounds more like uh, the singer from Ozma, as a matter of fact, I think he sounds uh, pretty close to pretty close to him there. But uh, I, you know, maybe not intentional. I don't think he's uh, shouting him out vocally. Uh, but you know, he certainly did uh, get close to that that range that we know and love, baby. So thanks for the thanks for that email, Jacob. Hey guys, Matt here, real quick, coming to you from my phone in my apartment. Sorry about the quality change. Uh, I forgot to answer uh, one of Jacob's questions. The first question he asked, which was, what music have I been listening to recently? Um, I've been really enjoying Laura Stevenson's new album. Uh, I believe it's called The Big Freeze, so check that out wherever you can. And I've also been really enjoying Anderson Pock's new album, Ventura. So those are my two non-Weezer-related picks. And then I had uh, some tweets come through. Let me pull up those tweets. And I'll get my notes app ready because I prepared answers. So uh, let's see. Strawberry Blonde on Twitter. That's at B-L-N-D-S-T-R-W-B-R-R-Y. Writes, your top 10 slash bottom 10 Weezer songs. Probs on the last episode, though. IDK. So Strawberry, uh, you know, coming up with a bottom 10 is too hard. uh, Because um, as you've heard on the show thus far, I seem to like a lot of them more than I dislike. Uh, so for uh, for now, I'm only going to do uh, my top 10, uh, which was also uh, incredibly difficult. So uh, I'll say, did I get them all? Oh my God, okay, I did. Um, so for, well, top 10, I don't know if this is necessarily in an order, but I'm just going to say uh, what I have written down right here. In the garage, obviously, classic jam. Um, 
it, it's just it's it's such a standout on the blue album i think it's just a song that uh i relate to pretty heavily and i think uh everybody who loves weezer really relates to that song so i put that one on uh, my top 10 i'll put only in dreams just because i think it's uh such you know such a, a musical achievement i'm going surf wax america because gosh dang what a what a banger so fun uh then i'm going keep fishing uh because i think it's sweet and i love those muppets as i talked about before um then we're, we're going across the sea then we're going why bother uh and then we're going to the white album for uh la girls i think that's a great tune i think one of their newer uh great songs uh and then we're going back to uh, i just threw out the love of my dreams uh then you gave your love to me softly and uh well my favorite weezer song of all time and maybe one of my favorite songs ever uh suzanne so that was my top 10 i think uh i think i mean look those all those songs slap hard and there's probably other songs that i would switch out on a given day but as of right now this was my list um so then uh the next tweet that i got is from uh stephen uh stephen i don't even know how to pronounce is it stephen or stephen because i because stephen colbert has the ph but uh he says stephen the ph there makes the v hmm well uh stephen schaefer writes uh if you could put together your dream Weezer set list, what would it be? So this was quite difficult as well, just because, I mean, so now a given Weezer set list could have uh, upper, like could have 20 songs on it. They'll do an 18 song set and a, a two song encore on a, uh, you know, in a, in their sort of arena uh, style show right now. So uh, these are the songs that I has sort of came to me today. I don't know if uh, my list would be different any times, uh, you know, uh, if you asked me on another day. Uh, and you might, you might drag me. And uh, I, I'm going to tell you, uh, don't at me uh, with, with the drag. I don't, I don't need it. So here's my ideal set list as of right now. Uh, at the time of this recording is April 16th, 2019, 6.35 p.m. So here it is. Uh, and this is not in an order I got. Well, I guess it, I have two of them that are in a specific order. Uh, and you'll know when those are. Uh, so my ideal set list, uh, Buddy Holly. I think I like how they're, um, they're starting their shows with Buddy Holly because they would end their shows a lot with that song because it's the hit. But if they start with the, the biggest hit, who knows where they're going? I think that's very fun. Uh, then you got Perfect Situation on there. I'm throwing Keep Fishing into the mix. Uh, then we're going, we're going red. We're going Pork and Beans. Uh, and then we're going to go to El Scorcho, followed by uh, Lonely Girl off of uh, Everything Will Be All Right in the End. Then, and here's where I feel like the drag is going to come, I'm throwing Mexican Fender on the set list. I think it's a fun song. Uh, I think it would be fun to see the guys do it live. Um, I have a lot of complicated feelings on Pacific Daydream as of right now, and um, the most uh, that I'll say about it before we get to that episode later on is that it seems like they've abandoned it, and that is strange to me. Um... Then we're going to go over to Maladroit for Love Explosion. Uh, and then uh, the, the aforementioned uh, LA Girls is also on that set list. I've only seen them perform it a few times, and I think it's a really good song. And uh, then we're going to uh, High as a Kite, because I think, say what you want about the Black Album, I think that is about as good as a Weezer song as we can get. That's, that's a, I think that's a really, really good song. Um, then we're going Why Bother? And then we're going uh, to some deep cuts. We got uh, You Gave Your Love to Me Softly. Wow. Surprise. Bet you weren't expecting to hear that after I said Mexican Fender and High as a Kite. Uh, then we have Surf Wax America. Then we're going California Kids off the White Album. Suzanne, obviously, my favorite. Then we're going to go uh, Greatest Man That Ever Lived. Then we're gonna, And then we're going to have Island in the Sun. And then their, their main set ends with Hash Pipe. Uh, and then... We're going into the encores, baby. And so uh, for encore number one, a song that they don't typically play live as the, uh, the times that I've seen them, but I think would be really fun to, to revisit is uh, Holiday off of the Blue Album. I think it'd be a really fun uh, first encore song, followed by Across the Sea. Ending a show on Across the Sea would be uh, an, incredible <laughs> uh, an incredible Weezer experience, I think. So... Uh, those are the those are the ones that I'm answering for today. So uh, thanks for writing. And if you want 
uh, a question answered on a show uh, or just to write me something, you can follow, you can tweet me at WWTHTA Weezer Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can, or you can email me at WWTHTA Weezer Pod at gmail.com. And uh, thanks, uh, thanks for writing in, guys. Uh, before uh, we get into alone, the home recordings of Rivers Cuomo, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. Um, so before we get into the facts, I guess I should say my con- the context that I have for this album in particular is uh, that I got to it when I, I think I was in college when I got this album. It was either in very late high school or uh, college. Because I, I don't remember hearing it a lot. Uh, I mean, because I mean, it came out in 2007, so I would have been in, uh, I would have been a junior uh, in high school, I believe, right? That sounds about right for December uh, going, yep. That seems, hmm. Yeah, that's right, because I graduated in 2009. Um, so I would have been a junior in uh, high school when it came out. And so I, I think I did get to it in college, because this wasn't like a day one uh, Russian to like Sam Goody or something for me to go pick up. Because uh, I loved Weezer, but I just, I guess, uh, wasn't wasn't on the boards, wasn't on, uh, like just wasn't on top of my game. So when I f- discovered this, it was a little later. Um, I'll say... As of right now, that my 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 take is that there are some really really great songs on here that I wish got the full band treatment. You know, um, I because uh, I think there's some just some uh, straight up classics on this thing, uh, and then there's some songs that I just don't think about at all. But um, I think for the most part, some really really fun listening to be had on this album, and I can't wait to play some of these tunes. Um, and here's some facts. I'm going to hit you guys with some facts before we get before we get into it. Uh, so when Rivers was deciding the track listing, uh, he listened to a lot of the old recordings that he's had and found that uh, the process was very difficult, much like I was having a hard time trying to pick my dang favorites. Huh? So can you, you can imagine uh, that Rivers was having a really hard time considering how close he was to the material. Uh, he knew uh, very early on in the process, though, that he had to include Blast Off, spoiler alert, uh, from the abandoned uh, songs from the black hole, uh, and he knew that you know a lot of these songs were in high demand just from fans hearing about them from over the years. Uh, and he said about this, um, I knew Blast Off and some of the other songs from uh, some of these other songs from the black hole had to be on here because for years Weezer fans have been wanting to hear these songs, and I knew if I put out the album with these songs without these songs on there, they would hunt me down and kill me. So. You know, Rivers uh, sort of thinks that way about the fans, I suppose. Uh, and but you know what? I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't. Well, no, I wasn't going to say I put it. Wouldn't put it past people. I know people would be very upset had they not heard these songs. So he listened to that instinct, and that was correct. Uh, Cuomo also considered releasing songs from the black hole uh, in the order that they're supposed to be in for this release, but ultimately decided against it. Uh, he said. I thought about it for a long time. I thought maybe I should release it as uh, the black hole and put the demos in the right order. But like I said, it was never finished, so it wouldn't really stand up. Like, it wouldn't be a very good listen. It was a very tough decision, but in the end, I concluded that this was the best possible CD I could put out, given all the material I have. This is the best listen, and this is what I want to give to the world. So, I mean, look, he didn't make this decision lightly, folks. He, he, he had, but in the, this, the interesting thing about that quote to me is that he does have, he has everything he needs to put, put that out if he wanted to. He could just do that. And I, I, you know, I, I won't get into the psychology of why not, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it fascinates me. If he knows people want it, why wouldn't he just give it to us? Um, uh, when asked if there were embarrassing moments, Rivers said, yeah, like hearing me rap on the bomb, so many out-of-tune vocals, uh, you know, I wish I'd done a different chord progression in part of it, of the verse of Lemonade, but I like preserving it as it is. So a lot of this stuff is just recorded as is and is a time capsule of when, when he was, where he was at in his uh, career, where he was at uh, in his ability and his skill, too. Uh, obviously, uh, people might have a different take as to what that is now but uh you know i think it's it's i think it's really interesting to hear where he came from 
Rivers has said he feels like everything has sentimental value, not just music, but everything. And then he, this is a quote. Every letter I got from a girl in seventh grade, I kept my long hair. I still have it in a box. I think my mom has like my baby teeth. Like people just keep things like that. Uh, and, you know, who knows who knows why? Uh, when Cuomo was asked what his favorite song in the album was, he thought about it for a moment and then said, probably Wanda, adding, those chords really get me. And, I mean, once we get there, we'll talk about those sweet, sweet chords. Uh, but how about we start, how about we start at the very beginning? Uh, how, let's play the very first track off of Alone, the home recordings of Rivers Cuomo, and it's titled, Ooh. Ooh. just him it's just him singing ooh for 47 seconds that's all it is nice tone to his voice though you know usually there's somebody to bounce sort of my thoughts off of so i do feel a little insane uh doing this by myself but i do have liner notes i'll read for this so i'll stop it there i suppose uh and i'll say uh this so all the liner notes i'm gonna read uh during the this recording are from Rivers himself and are on uh, the, the you know, I think in the notebook that came with uh, the album. So, uh, so when I'm reading the liner notes, assume that it's a quote from Rivers. Uh, I called 1-800-2-LA-RIDE, the RTD info line, and figured out how to get downtown on the bus. For the amazing low price of a dollar, I got on the blue bus right by my house and went all the way downtown on the highway and was dropped off in front of the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. For $5, I bought a student rush ticket and was seated in the center of the second row for the debut performance of the LA Philharmonic's new conductor, Essa Pekka uh, Selonin. Wow, wish I had read that uh, before. Um, they played Mahler's Third Symphony, and my mind was blown. I resolved to do this pretty regularly from then on. I also resolved to incorporate the more complex arrangements and counter melodies of classical music in my rock songs. So I wrote this little vocal piece as an exercise. It's a ripoff of uh, Samantha's Moldau, which can, uh, but, but what can you do? This recording, you can hear me snapping my fingers very gently in the background to keep all my vocal takes somewhat in line. That approach didn't work very well. Soon, I would start using a click track on my demos. Let's see if I could hear any of that. That snapping. Oh, yeah, I can hear it right there. Hey, Rivers, you're a good snapper. Good for you. Uh, so, right... How about we just get right into the next track? We're just going to move through these. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll let them play while I read the liner notes. Obviously, some of them are going to be a little shorter than others. Uh, so the next track on Alone is The World We Love So Much. This is a cover of a Greg Alexander song. From the liner notes, I took some time out of my writing my own songs, and from collaborating with Pat to record one of the uh, one of Greg Alexander's songs. I was in love with the over-the-top personal emotionalism of his vocal performances and lyrics. I pictured him at 16 breaking down in his dark little vocal booth, crying as he was singing his songs, which is pretty much how he was presented in the CD booklet. Greg Alexander's music was a beacon leading me toward more personal emotionalism in my own art. I was subletting a room for another musician who had taken off to Australia for a while. He had left behind a nylon string acoustic guitar, which I happily used to record this song, and a bunch of, and a bunch of ineffectual acoustic foam on the walls. I dreaded the thought of being heard while I was emoting like this, so I embraced the illusion of privacy provided by the foam. So obviously the, t the part I was speaking over, he was like whispering while he was singing, 
and now he's building to like a scream, which is kind of fun. I think this is a really nice song. You heard that little sort of uh, distortion because a lot of these songs were um, digitized from a from cassettes. So there is sort of like a little bit of a warped quality to some of them. Uh, but that was The World We Love So Much. And then the next track, uh, co-written with Patrick Wilson of Weezer, is called Lemonade. Not Beyonce's Lemonade. I think this is a sweet little song. Uh, Lemonade was previously unheard before the album's release. The song was said to be in the possession of some fans some time ago, well before it was released. Uh, so I don't know how they got that. A leak of some kind. Some spilled lemonade, folks. Uh, from the liner notes, did everyone else's mom tell them the lemonade story? If life gives you lemons, make lemonade. In my case, the lemonade I was making was my recent song, Saying Ain't So, No One Else, etc. I, uh, I went on a round-the-country trip on, Am on Amtrak over Christmas. I had a tape of the music for Lemonade with me, written, written and performed by Pat, and I wrote the lyrics on the train after stopping at my mom's in Connecticut. I recorded the vocal in the garage when I got back home to Los Angeles. As with most of the tracks that Pat and I recorded, this one descends into chaos at the end. Yeah, it's a pretty like simple sounding song. The lyrics are uh, kind of short and sweet. Not a whole lot going on there. Let's see when we get going into chaos. Doesn't sound like uh, anything that's like that crazy. Uh, maybe a little sloppy, but not not super chaotic. Oh, he's screaming now. Well, you know what? Hey, maybe I should listen to the guy more often. Maybe he if he meant chaos. <laughs> well, it's pretty chaotic if you ask me. Uh, the next track on Alone, number four, is a cover of an Ice Cube song. This is the Bomb. Bomb. Bomb? The bomb. Uh-huh. So there he goes. Rivers is rapping right there. Uh, here's uh, some stuff from the liner notes. As much as I loved rap music and funk in recent years, it seemed like Weezer's sound was evolving in quite the opposite direction towards uber-white non-funkiness. In fact, any attempt by any white musician to play anything remotely black or funky sh struck Matt and me without the, without, uh, without the new ultra-refined sensibility as bad style. We cringed with embarrassment and disgust whenever we saw a white person trying to rap or be funky in earnest. You know what? Pretty woke take. Pretty woke take. Uh, white people shouldn't try to be funky was the underlying belief. But I loved rap music, and so I recorded this cover of one of Ice Cube's songs. I really had no idea how to sing it. I couldn't take my rap voice seriously, so I gave it a, a beastie voice scream and hid behind a wall of distortion. I believed that nothing could come of musical explorations like this, but it was really, still really fun to do. Uh, so I, I like that he has an awareness that this is not something that he should have been doing, uh, but just did it as a little experiment. And the experiment, you know, it's fine that it's fine, Rivers, if you don't want to rap. You don't have to. And I think I think you should you should listen to that instinct. I, there's been uh, you've been getting a little close, getting a little close to rapping recently. Uh, but you said you didn't like you don't you don't think you should. So maybe don't. Uh, so number five, track number five on uh, Alone is an old friend. We know this song. We love this song. It's Buddy Holly. 
So obviously it sounds a little different, right, uh, from the from the studio version that we know. Uh, this version of the song that appears on Alone features some differences from the finished album version. It is in a slower tempo, and the melody is somewhat different, uh, and the short synth, synth sections during the verses are different. Uh, from the liner notes, I was in the Santa Monica College Choir, and I met a kid named Steve Graff who lent me his Korg keyboard. Inspired by its goofy synth sounds, I decided to write some new wave-influenced songs. The chorus melody, though, I came up with as I was walking through the lawns of the campus. The melody was in in time to my steps. Ooh wee ooh, I look just like Buddy Holly. Uh, the lyrics I struggled with, trying to find the right reference point. An early version read, Ooh wee ooh, you look just like Ginger Rogers. Oh oh, and I move just like Fred Astaire. Hmm, that's a little funky. Uh, the life situation that inspired the lyric was an incident in which the Weezer guys are making fun of my friend Kyung, Hi, Kyung Hee, also in the Santa Monica uh, College Choir. They were they were the homies dissing my girl. I rarely wrote lyrics about tension between me and the guys in the band because I thought it would be awkward for us all to perform those songs together. In this case, though, it didn't seem like a big deal. Obviously, this track is kind of slow compared to how it ended up on the Weezer record. Even on the Weezer record, we recorded it pretty slow. We sped it up during the mastering. I always like uh, big, fat, heavy guitar sounds when I write a song. With a sound that, uh, with a sound like that, I end up digging in and playing real slow. It isn't until we hear the song back on tape that we realize, hey, that's a little dirty. I do like how sludgy the guitar sounds. It sounds a little like, sounds a little nasty. I really do like when Rivers uh, screams on these songs. It's really fun. You know I gotta get to that guitar solo. Ooh, that synth! I love that the synth hopped on the hopped on the solo. Very fun, very fun little tune there. Uh, obviously, I mean that's like the most famous Weezer song probably. Uh, and so hearing it in a different style before it was ready, before it was done cooking, very good. Uh, coming up next on uh, Alone is Chess. Chess is such a difficult game. So many pieces. I think this is one of my favorite songs on the album. From the liner notes. In 1992, I had written about half the songs that would end up on the Blue Album, including The Sweater Song and Say Night So. It was clear that we were going to get a record deal and make a record. But, when, uh, but then the song stopped coming. I felt more and more pressure to write the rest of the record, to write top-notch Weezer-style songs. Finally, I shook off all expectations from both myself and from everyone else and let myself write whatever came naturally upon strumming a D major chord over and over on acoustic guitar. The result was chess. I knew it wouldn't work for Weezer, but it was at least got me creating again and having fun. Within two months, I wrote the rest of the songs for the Blue Album. The sex, drugs, and rock and roll line I got from a song I happened to hear one night out on a town in which the singer says sex and drugs and rock and roll over and over with a British accent. I thought it was kind of weird, so I wanted to use it. And then in parentheses, I just looked it up online and learned that the song is by Ian Dury. Hey, maybe this isn't a Weezer song, but I think it's a, I still think it's a good song. This Rivers Cuomo guy's got potential, you know? Uh, I think, I think that song is really great. Uh, it's a song that I would put on, uh, playlists when I was in college, if I was feeling a little like, Hey, cheer up, buddy. Why don't you go, uh, just find, find another way to, uh, do whatever you're trying to do. I think it's great. Uh, and then the next song we've heard on the, uh, Songs from the Black Hole episode, it's Long Time Sunshine. In the midst of struggling to make it as a rock star in Los Angeles, I started to make 
uh, I, I started longing for the safety, peace, quiet, simplicity, and family structure of my New England childhood. I thought back to one of my favorite memories, lying in the bottom bunk, my brother in the top, in our bedroom in our farmhouse in Eastford, Connecticut, in the hot, hot summer, 7, 8 p.m., sun still up, but having to go to sleep because it's our bedtime. One of those big box fans blowing, and my parents, Ma and Steve, sitting at our bedside, singing an old hippie song to us to calm us down to ease us into sleep. May the long time sunshine upon you. I borrowed the hook phrase from this song and set about writing my own song to capture my feelings of loss and longing. I wrote it in my mom's piano when I was back in Connecticut at Christmas. My mom had a piano because I told her that the house seemed too quiet and I was worried about her living in silence all alone after my stepdad left. So that is how Longtime Sunshine came to exist. When I recorded this track, I had just bought a clarinet and figured out how to play a few notes. Because of my poor embouchure, uh, it sounded like very, it sounded very much like a kazoo. Embouchure? I have an addendum to my favorite Weezer songs. I think this is one of my favorite Weezer songs of all time. I can't believe I forgot about it when I was making that list. I would love, I mean, we get sort of close to it with uh, the other version of uh, that song that exists, uh, but I would love... And they just they just played this song actually on their Tiny Desk concert. It was the second song that they did, I believe. And that's it's, that's crazy to me. They don't play that song. Uh, I would love a full band version of it, uh, or you know, uh, a sort of reworked version of it, even. Uh, but I, goddamn, that song is so good. Uh, and it was cra- it was shocking to see that they did that on uh, on NPR. Um, Coming up next, we got Blast Off. It's also from the song from the Black Hole. I believe it's the opening track uh, uh, from that concept album. Here are the liner notes. Uh, the success of Weezer's first album stirred up a lot of mixed feelings in me. Yay, I'm happy, as well as I'm not sure this is the life I want to lead. I set about exploring and expressing those feelings in a rock musical called Songs from the Black Hole. I had the perfect opportunity to work on this project when Matt had to go back to the United States because of a family emergency leaving the rest of Weezer in Hamburg, Germany, in the midst of a tour, with nothing to do for a week. Carl and I rode the subway to a studio every day in the outskirts of the city. Today, today we still remember some of the subway stops that were called out by monotone, automated, male German voice. And then there's some German words that I won't try to pronounce. Uh, at the studio, I recorded Blast Off, which I had reworked and expanded from a 1993 songlet, Negative Land. The song was to be sung by the four male lead characters in the musical, Jonas, me, Juan, Brian, Dondo, Matt, and our mechanoid M1, Carl. M1's part I sang with a vocoder. The song expresses the characters' different feelings about heading out on a space mission, or in other words, my different feelings about heading out on tour uh, and and up the charts with a rock band. I think this song is so good, and the idea of its placement in Songs from the Black Hole is very interesting. So getting that little bit of history, knowing how he was feeling when he wrote that. I mean, it's sort of, I think we talked about it. I thought, talked about it with Sadie. It's a little um, uh, first thought, maybe. Like, oh, I'm going to sort of map uh, the experience that I'm having, uh, you know, and tell a sort of fictionalized story. Um, but I think the song, I think the song is really, really good. And um, so I love it. And even as a as an independent, as an individual song, not a part of a uh, grant like a larger piece, uh, I think I think it slaps, baby. Uh, and then the next song on this on this album is called "Who You Callin' Bitch." This song's only forty five seconds long. Don't listen to 
Uh, this was an interstitial piece from the Songs for the Black Hole. It could be sung by the female leads, a character named Maria and the, the bad girl. The ship cook Maria walks in, and she obviously has some kind of history with Jonas. Dondo suggests that Jonas can still score with her. Maria overhears this and explodes in anger at Dondo's language. Uh, this was one that I think um, probably works better in context of uh, songs from the black hole. I don't think it's like a, it's not meant to be a standalone song. It's not meant to be uh, like a, uh, a banger. So hearing it in this is, is, I think it's more, it's more interesting than it is um, good. You know what I mean? It's sort of like, Oh, this is a little piece of little nugget from history. Uh, take that for what it is. Uh, but I don't ultimately think it was like, it's going to stand up as like a good Weezer song, but I appreciate it's, existence uh and then coming in at number 10 we have wanda you're my only love I think this song is so pretty, and I don't I don't want to talk over it, but I think it's so good. Um, but uh, what I'll say about it is that in 1995, Como was approached by the producers of the film Angus to write a song for their soundtrack. Uh, he read the script and wrote the song Wanda, You're My Only Love, the verses of which summarize the movie's plot. The, this acoustic ballad was rejected by the producers for not sounding enough like Weezer. Rivers was hurt by this rejection, but eventually submitted You Gave Your Love To Me, Sof uh, you gave your love to me Softly, a more up-tempo number. Here's some from the liner notes here. Let's see. One of my introductions to the realities of the music industry came when my manager told me that a movie production company wanted me to compose a song for the movie Angus. I felt honored to be presented with such a big challenge, to write a song to accompany someone else's story. I wanted to do a great job. I studied the script and attained a pretty thorough understanding of the main character and his situation. He was an outcast like me. I liked him. I poured my heart into the song. I used details from the characters' lives in the movie, but really the emotions were mine. The incredible love I would feel for a woman, the person, the, the world that could never accept me uh, and love me as I was. I was bowled over by the song when I was finished. I sent it to my manager. A few days later, he called and said the movie studio had rejected the song. It was too literal an interpretation of the movie. And besides, they wanted a more upbeat rock number, something in the spirit of other Weezer singles like Buddy Holly. I was angry, frustrated, and sad. In the end, we gave the movie people an upbeat rocker they wanted. You gave your love to me softly. But for the long time, I thought they were wrong for using it. The song had nothing to do with the movie, the characters, or the mood of the scene in which it played. At the time, I, I concluded the movie people didn't care about art at all, they just wanted a Weezer rock single. Yeah, I, for this me, for me, I think this is one of the greatest songs that he's written. I think it's so good, and I would love to hear. Um, I mean, it's such, it's so great. It's just an acoustic number. I, I put it on an album as is, uh, but for you know. Getting the whole band in the mix wouldn't be would it be an issue in my book. Uh, I just I think I would, if if they ever played this song live, I would lose my goddamn mind. Um, it's just so pretty. Uh, the next song on this album uh, is a 55 second little ditty called "Dude, We're Finally Landing." From the liner notes, Dude, We're Finally Landing was to be sung by the three male leads in Songs from the Black Hole. Juan and Dondo are excited because they are about to achieve their mission's objective after a long, excruciating haul through space. They represented the part of me that was excited about becoming a rock star. And Jonas is disillusioned as usual. He represented the part of me that wasn't satisfied with my life even as I was achieving such a, a momentous goal. 
A few of the lyrics on the demo were just nonsense placeholder lyrics. Below are the proper final lyrics, what we're hearing right now. Uh, you know, similar to uh, Who You Callin' Bitch, uh, you know, it's not a, this is not a full song. It's sort of meant to sort of just be, uh, you know, in between piece. Uh, so as that, I, in the context of Songs from the Black Hole, I think it's interesting, and I think uh, it probably makes uh, more sense there as a standalone track on a compilation album. I don't know if it's something that I would, uh, you know, I'm not going to put that on a playlist, you know? Uh, but the next song, I absolutely would, and it's, Super friend. Uh, Super friend is one of the most famous unreleased Weezer songs. When Rivers first posted a blog on his MySpace entitled Alone, explaining the details and plans of his demo album, speculation immediately began as to whether or not Super friend would be on the album. At long last, it was confirmed on and on December 18th, 2007, fans were able to hear Superfriend for the first time as a complete song. A few differences uh, were, were of note between Rivers' demo and the version being rehearsed on video capture device. Of course, the female vocals were absent, but surprisingly, the key change ending present in the VCD rehearsal were absent from the demo. Regardless, fans consider Superfriend to be one of Rivers' finer compositions. And then from the liner notes, it's uh, Super Friend is from Act 1. It's a conversation between Jonas and Laurel after Jonas has slipped again with Maria. Slipped again? Well. I love this chorus. I think that song is great and would I mean I mean it's kind of I'm going to say this for every single one of the songs on this thing that I like would love a would love a fully produced version of it. I think uh just cuz they've been released as um as as demos doesn't mean uh that people wouldn't want to hear them fully produced. Especially if they were to uh produce them uh from the angle that they're coming at uh with these demos, you know. Um I just think, I mean, I'll join the chorus of people saying that Super Friend is an incredible song. I think it's, I think it's just so good. Um, the next song on Alone, song number 13, is called Lover in the Snow. So this song was leaked onto the internet by River several years before being officially released. Uh, the release version is an edit omitting some of the repeated sections of the song. I like this one a lot too. From the liner notes, Songs from the Black Hole morphed into a Pinkerton, which maintained an emphasis on personal dramatic narrative and symphonic development, uh, along the lines of uh, Puccini. But that album came out, uh, after that album came out, I started looking for a new, more minimalistic, less personal style. One of the first things I tried was fantasy-based songs, imagining a romantic, flowery, tragic, and or mystical setting, and then describing it with words uh, and music. That's why I wrote Lover in the Snow, with lines like, Deep in the Shady Glen, I was, am I was amazed that this song seemed to be just as powerful and emotional as my personal songs, even though it was all fantasy, an imagined experience that never happened. I like that. Come on, come on. Yeah, I think that song. That song is really, really great. It's. I mean, if you're listening to this and you are shocked to hear me say I think this song is really great, uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, the next song, track number fourteen on Alone, is Crazy One. 
I love this song. Uh, Crazy One was previously unheard before Alone's release, and it was one of the first tracks that fans have heard from 1998. Not just from the year in general, but of the songs that Rivers wrote in this time. From the liner notes, after trying romantic minimal, uh, after trying romantic minimalism in 1997, I turned to more traditional pop song forms like verse, verse, bridge, with no chorus. The form used by most pop songwriters, like the Beatles, up until the uh, 1970s. One such song I wrote with this form was Crazy One. The story of this song started a few years earlier, a time when people still wrote snail mail, fan mail. Reading through one of my letters, I noticed that one of them was addressed from a woman who lived in an apartment I used to live in when I first moved to LA. I couldn't believe it. I wrote the woman back all excited. It was a cool coincidence. But I thought the woman, but I thought that was the end of the story. Then, in 1998, a woman approached me in a 7-Eleven into which I had gone after a soccer practice. She introduced herself as the woman who had written the fan letter from the apartment I used to live in. She was cool and chill and cute, so I was instantly hooked on her. I started seeing her very regularly, going into her apartment, my old apartment. Before long, I discovered some extraordinarily unsavory things about her lifestyle and her livelihood. Still, I wanted to spend all my time over there. I was in a particular needy space at the time, and I needed to break from the long, frustrating hours in my writing studio. Eventually, her roommate got sick of me and told her to tell me to stop coming over every night. I tried to pull a power move and told the woman that if she ever tried to restrict my coming over, I would never talk to her again. Yikes! Uh, don't like how that sounds. Uh, a, a few nights later, she brought it up again. You can't come over here. Every night. I got up and walked out and indeed never saw her or talked to her again. My power move had backfired. I thought that after a few days she was going to call me and say, I'm so sorry, I'll never try to restrict her seeing me again. Please come back. But she never did. A few days after I walked out, I wrote Crazy One. You can actually hear me whimpering a bit at the top of this track. I really missed her. Well, you know, some of that doesn't had, didn't age great. Uh, you know, uh, but God bless him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yikes. I think the song is pretty, but now knowing that, that's a little weird. I don't think it's bad. I don't think he's bad or is a bad guy, but. That, I mean, 2007 was so, it was over 10 years ago, too, so that's, uh, that's just a little strange. Uh, the next song on Alone is called This Is The Way. This is a weird one to me. Uh, I don't, I don't love this one. It's a, it's certainly a very uh, experimental song for for Weezer. Uh, you know, at this time, uh, I'll read the liner notes for Weezer's sixth album. I was feeling extremely adventurous again. I wrote an epic six-minute symphonic type of art song called Daydreamer. After I wrote the song, though, I reversed myself again, deciding to write a straight-ahead, nothing fancy, middle-of-the-road urban pop. Uh, urban pop type of song. I took the chords from a Mario hit, I uh, fired up the drum machine and synth pads, and wrote This Is The Way. When it came time for Weezer to vote on songs to record for the album, I submitted both Daydreamer and This Is The Way, and secretly preferred Daydreamer because it was so bold, weird, and gigantic. Of course, everyone voted for the straightforward pop number, This Is The Way. I called a meeting and told the guys that it was important to me that Daydreamer got on the record. They felt excitement, so they cons- uh, they felt excitement, so they consented. This is the way it got cut from the list. Everyone around us, though, was saying, "This is the way is the bomb. You should really do that song." Scott, in particular, was like, "I want to sing that song. I can own it. I definitely loved the song too, but it just was too, but it, but it was just too straightforward for what I wanted to do at the time. Thankfully." I have a way to get the song out now. Here's here on this demo compilation. And maybe this is the way we'll end up on a Weezer album. Number eight. We'll see. It so far has not. And now you got to take back your love. 
Yeah, I just don't love this one. Uh, I think he sounds great on it. I just I don't love the. I guess the music of it. Yeah, I don't know. This one doesn't work for me. But that's the only one of these that I've said that about so far. Uh, coming in uh, uh, next is Little Diane. Uh, and I think this song fucking rocks. Uh, it is a cover originally performed by Dion and the Belmonts, best known for their 1959 hit, A Teenager in Love. You're such a little evil child. Uh, from the liner notes, 2003 was a period of big change for me when I was throwing out all my expectations about who I was uh, supposed to be and then attempts to dig deep and find something that felt really important. I got together with the guys in Sloan uh, to jam on some cover songs at Sur. Uh, Sur is located right here in Los Angeles. I drive by it often. Uh, where Neil Young recorded Tonight's the Night. For my part, I didn't even play any instruments. I just sang, lead singer style like Robert Plant or David Lee Roth. It was really fun and liberating. Rick Rubin suggested we try a golden oldie, Little Diane. So we gave it a, so we gave it a shot. Sloan sounded amazing on this track, and I liked where the, med, uh, the melody sat on my voice. I was amazed that Sloan could come up with such cool parts that worked together so well after only playing the, a song a few times. Yeah, I think this song is really, really great. He sounds great. He does. A, he's, he's good at rocking out. I think it's a very good song. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite ones on here too. I've definitely put that on a few playlists here and there. Uh, but uh, the next the next song is thirty six seconds long, and it's called "I Wish You Had an Axe Guitar." Uh, from the liner notes, it says that uh, Justin, Eric, and me at rehearsal of our first band, Fury. I'm the pushy one. So that's just... Uh, a, a very old home recording of Rivers and his childhood friends talking about guitars, which I think is a very sweet inclusion for the album. Which brings us to our final song on the album. Uh, I'll say maybe my favorite song on this album and any of the Alone albums. It's I was made for you. This song was reworked and almost included on Make Believe. such a good end for this album it's a it's like a classic uh weezer um album ender a track 10 he sounds great on it i love the composition of this song From the liner notes, in 2004, a particular style of song was calling me again. I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to write melodies, giant, huge, beautiful, soaring melodies. I especially liked to compose at the piano, where the melodies could flow beyond the constraints of my limited voice, and my left hand could explore the pleasures of melodic counterpoint in the bass line. 
I started talking music composition. I started taking music composition lessons from Bruce Reich at UCLA. I also started dating a woman in the LA Philharmonic. She was the most extraordinary musician. The calluses on her fingertips were about 10 times as thick as mine, and she had a giant purple black hickey on her neck from playing the violin. She knew way more about classical music than I did. At the same time, though, she was a huge Metallica fan and had a caustic wit. But ultimately, there was an innocence about her. I had to explain to her the bodiness of the title of Metallica's DVD, Cunning Stunts, which sat on her shelf. I had written a beautiful chorus melody on the piano a few months before she was wondering what to do with it. Or before and was wondering what to do with it until I met the LA Philharmonic woman and then bam, I was made for you. I had Weezer's engineer Chad come down to Sur and get out pro recording gear set up to record this song. I went, uh, and once I started the vocals, I asked him to leave because I wanted to be alone. I love this song so much. I think it's such a beautiful song, and there's a goddamn great guitar solo coming up right now. Yeah, I think um, this song, I think this song is perfect. I think it's just so just so sweet and it, it's just a pretty song I really love it I think he he knocked this one out of the park I think of all these songs I like a lot of them but this one is like a complete song this is so good and uh, you know I I think it's 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 just it's just an amazing song and so uh, I'm glad that he included it on this compilation and I hate to say it guys but I think I think that's it for today uh, so for, as far as where the home, uh, recordings of Rivers Cuomo, uh, the first alone record, uh, you know, stacks up with, uh, major Weezer releases. I think, um, it's a, it's a neat sort of, um, insight as to, uh, Rivers creative process to see the sort of, uh, bones of, uh, old Weezer songs and like that style, uh, in a, in a graveyard of dead songs, uh, and then released, uh, for our, uh, listening pleasure, I think is a, it's a very interesting, uh, compilation album. Uh, if you haven't, for some reason, if you're listening to this and you haven't heard any of this before, uh, highly recommend digging into all the other, uh, the other two alone records. Uh, we'll be doing those, uh, at some point as well. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think this, this album has a lot of, uh, nice little sweet gems on it. So, uh, I, I, it has maybe some of my favorite Weezer songs on it even uh, that were yet to be fully produced. Will we ever see full productions of all of them? Who could say? Uh, and then as, uh, as uh, for plugs, usually at the end of this we do plugs, but I don't have a, I don't have a guest. So uh, for me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt Apodaca, and you can follow the show at WWTH Weezer Pod on on both platforms as well on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and as I said before, if you want to uh, write us an email with like a question or uh, you know anything, uh, you can email wwthtaweezerpod at gmail.com and and maybe we'll do it again one of these again and we'll read it on the show. Uh, and I'll plug uh, some live stuff that I have coming up too. You can see me perform every week at the UCB Theater uh, here in Los Angeles with my Herald team, uh, which is a style of improv. Uh, my my improv team pony so you can uh check the schedule for like herald night uh and see uh where i'm at there uh you can also and we also i have a i have a live concert show coming up uh in the ucb inner sanctum uh, which is at the sunset location in, in the cafe uh and it's just a concert that's all it is uh we got some great bands we have hot hot fuss which does all killers uh uh songs uh, we're uh, the uh, a band that I'm performing with um, in for this uh, for this show called Age Against the Machine. Uh, we're gonna be doing some fun songs as well. Uh, we have Will Hines. Uh, if you're familiar with Will Hines uh, from his appearances on Comedy Bang Bang and his Beatles podcast, screw it, we're just gonna talk about the Beatles. He's a band. He's he's performing with his group uh, that does his show called Will Hines Bad Guitar Solos. The the rest of the band is very very good, very skilled musicians. Uh, Will Hines. 
is learning how to play guitar and is the lead guitarist in this band. It's a very, very funny experience. I highly recommend coming just for that. Uh, then we have uh, Duty Mob, which is uh, Carl Tart, who's a friend of uh, the show, will be coming on at some point. Um, uh, who uh, you'll know from like Comedy Bang Bang and just every podcast. Uh, Ronnie Adrian from uh, White Women and Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, lots of funny people in that group. Uh, they do mostly uh, hip hop covers, uh, and it's uh, it's amazing. They they just they tear it up every time. It's so so good. Uh, and then uh, our headliners for this uh, this event are the Sloppy Boys. Uh, so you got Mike Hanford, Tim Kalpakis, and and Jeff Dutton. Uh, they have an album called uh, Lifelong Vacation that you can go listen to now. It's very, very good. They'll be doing some songs at the show as well. So in that show, I know I just said all those names, and you're like, wow, this is, I can't believe all these people are on this show. That show must cost $1,000. That show's free. That show's absolutely free in the UCB Inner Sanctum. So uh, go check that out. That's on um, April 26th at 7 p.m. So uh, be there for that because it's going to fucking rule. Um, and uh, tune in next week. Uh, for uh, the next episode of this show. Uh, thanks for supporting. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, see you, everybody. Goodbye. If you'd like to support the show, you can go on iTunes and give us five stars and leave us a nice little review. We'd really appreciate that. If you'd like to support the show monetarily, you can go to anchor.fm slash Weezerpod slash support. There's monthly contribution options if you'd like to help keep the lights on for the show. And all your support means a lot. Thank you so much.